This is episode 195 of IDRA Class Notes. You know, most vision statements say all students will learn. But you know, before students can learn, they need to feel safe. And so what are the things that we do as a campus to make sure that students do feel safe? So we need to really think introspectively, how do I contribute to the safety of our kids? What are the things that I am doing that may be unintentional, that may be contributing to a culture of disconnection? Hi, you're listening to IDRA's Class Notes podcast. We're talking today in the wake of the tragic shooting that happened at the Walmart in El Paso, Texas, about the impact of violence on communities, on us personally, and particularly on schools, uh, and what we can do to support educators, administrators, families, and students in schools when violent tragedies happen. My name is Morgan Craven. I'm the National Director of Policy at IDRA, and I'm so pleased to join two of my colleagues to have this conversation. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Jose? My name is Jose Velasquez. I'm an equity specialist with IDRA EAC South. And my name is Michelle Vega, and I'm the technology coordinator here at IDRA. Just as a bit of background for the listeners, we got into this conversation in a meeting that we were having internally. Jose is from El Paso, and so the shooting that happened there had a particular significance for him. So I really wanted Jose to kind of talk about El Paso. So can you tell us about your city, what the city is like, what the families are like, what the kids are like, and just how you feel about your city? El Paso is home. When I think about El Paso, I think about the mountains and the desert there. It's a binational, international community because it lies right next to Juarez, Mexico. So together, it makes uh, a very united uh, community. It uh, depends on each other in many ways. When I think about El Paso, I I cannot uh, help but to think about the student that I served while I was a teacher at Clint ISD. I also was a consultant there with Region 19 Educational Service Center in which I had uh, many opportunities to interact with students, teachers, principals, school board members across the community. So El Paso is home in terms of my professional sense, but also in terms of my brothers and sisters that live there, my mom lives there, neighbors that I interacted with. There's just so many things about El Paso has deep meaning for me. And you're specifically familiar with the very community where the shooting happened. Could you tell us about your specific connection to that community and what you imagine the climate and energy were like that day before the shooting happened? I'm very familiar with that particular Walmart because when I worked at Region 19, it's only about a mile away from Region 19. So I would go there every once in a while. And when I would go there, I mean, there's people there that go shopping. Uh, There's people that are, I mean, the parking lot is usually full. When I think about this particular time, you know, back to school season, 
is a special time. It's a special time for parents. It's a special time for grandparents. It's a special time for kids. You know, whenever it's going back to school and you go shopping for supplies, I mean, it's a it's it's an opportunity for kids to get those new clothes. It's a, a great time for kids to like look for that special backpack that is going to uh, reflect their identity and who they are. It's about getting those the the paper, the pencils, the markers. Uh, grandparents get excited about that. See, I'm, I'm a grandfather too. And so it's, it's always cool and, and feels great to be shopping for uh, that little dress that you just can picture your granddaughter wearing on her first day in kindergarten and, and so forth. So I imagine the excitement that was going on that day as families were going there to uh, shop for clothes and shop for school supplies and, and the kids excited about the occasion. I also understand that there was a, a soccer team doing fundraising outside of Walmart. Uh, they had a, a fundraising stand. And so they were there because they knew that back to school represents uh, additional customers coming to Walmart, additional sponsors uh, potentially raise funds from. So I can only imagine how exciting the day was, how full of hope they were you know, filled with as they look forward to a great year of academic and other kinds of social you know, experiences with a new school year. I think you paint a really vivid picture of a situation that all of us can relate to, whether we have children or not, because at some point we were children mm -hmm. um, yes. and we have children in our families that, I know my kids are grown already, but for whatever reason, lunchbox shopping is my husband's favorite <laughs> and so yes. my nieces and nephews I volunteer all the time I'll buy your lunchbox we're totally getting a thermos so you know it's something that everybody can relate to and as you said it's a very exciting time and I think mm -hmm. in regards to American culture it's yes. something that we all hold very near and dear so yeah. it's a beautiful picture you paint I agree and one of the really tragic things about the, the type of violence that happened and really terrorism is that it breaks down the most basic interactions that we have, the things that we do on a daily basis, the things that make us feel happy, the things that are part of life that happens all of the time. And it makes people feel very differently, not just about the space where it happened, but it, it permeates into many other parts of life. And there's that fear that you feel at home or going to any restaurant um, and including going to school, which is a really terrible thing that happens in connection with things like this that happen even when they're not in a school. To kind of turn toward what it is going to be like for the students in schools in El Paso and certainly across the country who are thinking about what happened, I wanted to ask about some recommendations that you might have. So we've heard, you know, following the shooting in El Paso, some political leaders in the state talk about schools and what's missing from schools that contributes to this, this culture of violence that we have. And many of the recommendations that they make are, are actually, would actually be harmful for schools because they're not based in research. They don't address some of the root causes of the issues that many have identified. And when we're talking about harmful approaches like arming teachers or locking down schools to an extreme degree, we're not 
talking about the approaches and the supports and services that actually do work, and that's part of the problem. And so it's not wrong to, to think about what we can do better in schools, how we can support stronger school climates and address the needs of the people in school communities, including the adults, the students, and the families. So Jose, given your experience and the trainings that you do with the Equity Assistance Center, what are a few approaches that would actually work to build stronger school climates where kids and adults feel supported and safe? So as a former high school principal, as a classroom teacher who has had the blessing of serving kids from pre-K all the way through 12th grade in bilingual and ESL settings, I started reflecting a lot this weekend about the impact of this tragedy on the children and also the parents, uh, how difficult it must be to restore and to heal after such an incident that impacts not only those that are directly physically harmed, but also those who witness, who heard, and and are now exposed to the news uh, cycle and, and the conversations that people are having around this subject. As an educator, one of the things that I was thinking about was the impact of this and how school culture is one of those primary responsibilities that a principal has and really everybody contributes to it. The the students, the teachers, the parents, uh, everybody in that community of learners contributes to the overall school culture. And so as the instructional leader, the principal, one of the key things that even before academics, they must uh, really uh, hold high in terms of priority is the safety of every individual in that building. At the top of that list, the priority is keeping our children safe. So given the the circumstances, I mean, there's two things to consider. One of them is, you know, how to be proactive. We know that this is going on around the country. It's been happening for the past, gosh, 20 years, more or less. So it's something that has intensified uh, recently. This is something that we need to plan for. This is something that we cannot uh, think in terms of if it'll happen, but when it's going to happen. We need to think in those terms so that we can, as a staff, as a school staff, have conversations about our school culture, really engage in deep reflection and dialogue with each other in terms of who are we? What do we represent? What is our mission? You know, having those kinds of uh, conversations, but also revolving in terms of, you know, most vision statements uh, say all students will learn. But you know, before students can learn, they need to feel safe. And so what are the things that we do as a campus to make sure that students do feel safe? So we need to really think introspectively at the individual level. How do I contribute? to the safety of our kids. You know, what are the things, my behaviors, you know, what is the tone of my voice? What is it about the way that I uh, treat people? Do I treat people differently? You know, I really need to take pause and, and reflect on what are the things that I am doing that may be unintentional, that may be uh, contributing to a culture of disconnection, you know, one of the key parts of a school culture is the relationships that we build with each other. 
between staff, between teacher and student, and between students themselves. In addition to teaching the content, you know, we have that academic uh, focus and that is so drilled into us in terms of the accountability that we are under pressure to perform. But a lot of times when we think about the data, we need to really humanize that data because behind every data point there's a heartbeat and behind that heartbeat are aspirations, goals, and dreams. Have we taken the time to really get to know our kids, their background, the strengths, instead of seeing kids that, that come to us that don't look like us, that perhaps speak a different language, do we take the time to see their strengths instead of view them uh, from a deficit point of lens? What are the things that we can do to build those relationships? Well, in addition to addressing the academics, do we dedicate a portion of that week to building a community within our classroom? team building activities where students are able to have conversations with each other that is not necessarily academically focused, but rather enhances our understanding of each other. Focusing on the culture, I think, is a, a key part of addressing this in a proactive way, but also in terms of, you know, the after, you know, now we have a tragedy. I hope that we have a change in our nation in which we don't have another tragedy like this, right? But more than likely there will be another tragedy like this. And so how do we respond to a tragedy after it happens? That's something that I have never experienced as a principal. I don't have the answers to that. So I, I think one of the things that we need to do is to reach out to communities that have experienced that to learn from their way of moving forward and also looking at you know what research may say in terms of trauma you know what are the impacts of trauma and what are the the most positive ways to respond to trauma what does the literature say about the trauma that children endure in terms of abuse neglect refugees that that escape uh, war and so forth I think there's literature there that as educators, we now need to dive into and have conversations with each other in terms of, all right, so if the literature says this in terms of ways to heal and respond to trauma suffered by children, at what aspects of these research findings apply to a school setting and how can we build capacity within our staff, within our leadership? within the classroom, within our parents and the whole community so that we can respond with a united front. This is a topic that everybody is struggling with and nobody has found the solution to that. And so this conversation primarily meant to have all of us start a conversation. And all we can do is research Lend an ear, yeah. right? So if you are looking for any resources, please visit our website, www.idra.org, or give us a call, and the phone number is 210-444-1710. We know that this is a difficult topic, and so however we can help, we want to be there to help you. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, 
go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.